Coffee? Two strikes. Oh man. No, I I already had my coffee allotment. It, it's Sunday night. I try and keep it a lot allotment. I try and keep it lean. Remind me after we're done with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just gonna bring up personal business. On, who gives a shit? Uh, I have some of the Celsius packets inside huh. that are 200 milligrams a piece. Ooh. Yeah, I got uh, three boxes of them, uh, twelve packs for thirty two bucks. Nice. Less than a dollar a piece. Nice. Yeah, man. They uh, they'll get you going. I can imagine. It's uh, it it doesn't taste great, but I imagine it'd be better if you made it to the actual ratios that you're supposed to. Because I just like dump a little bit into mm-hmm. like, or I dump the whole thing into just a little bit of water. Yeah, just get a shot. <laughs> yeah, and I'll get it down in a couple gulps. Ew. I'll wait like 30, 40 minutes before I finish it. It's just like a couple shots of juice. Since yeah. I don't do sh- shot shots anymore. There you go. Let's, let's do 100 milligram caffeine shots. Wow. Eh, why not? That wake you right the fuck up. Well, I mean, it's only a little bit more than a cup of coffee because there's no standard cup of coffee, generally about 80 milligrams of caffeine. Yeah, I think so. Something around there. So, But I, mean, I, I heard you. Okay, there's two words that you said that I've heard them both use, coffee and allotment, but never together. Are you suggesting limiting caffeine? Is is that is that the words uh, that came out I, of your mouth? I try to when it's it's getting a little late in the evening, and I I know I need to wind down. Uh, it, especially like, man, I don't get too many free nights. <laughs> like, it's hard to speak through the incredulity here. Uh, uh, you're limiting your coffee. How are you living? Um, uh, satisfactorily, I suppose. I could even imagine. I know. If, if I was to up my coffee game, it might take my life to a whole new level, but I don't know if that's something that I really want to chance. Nah. I mean, don't fly too close to the sun. I'm, I'm not going to Icarus Fair enough. on the coffee. Fair enough. Coffee Icarus. That's really close to a Kyle Kinane joke. Nope. Strike that from the record. I was going to say, I'm, ah. But, um... I saw something very funny today that I wanted to ask you about. Okay. I I saw a headline on CNN because I first I, I look at the news sometimes. Yeah. And one of the headlines was uh, something about how people online are getting mad at the new uh, Rings series on Amazon because there are people of color in it. Mm-hmm. And they're mad because they've wokeified uh, Tolkien's <laughs> universe. Well, because, because it's supposed to be about European history and they're, they're taking away our culture. And what I'm suggesting is that everyone involved with that show uh, target anyone who is saying things like that mm-hmm. and just give them the simple response of, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> just shut the fuck up. Well, you know, first of all, we'll, we'll talk, we want to talk about Tolkien's politics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised that there's a bunch of people upset that there's black elves. Oh, kind of like when everybody got mad at, what was it, uh, Lovecraft Country. Because yeah. they made Lovecraft stories with an exclusively black cast. Mm-hmm. I think it was exclusively. I, don't, I never watched well, That's it. a nice big fuck you to Lovecraft. Yeah, it I love sure that. is. I really like it. The, the only white people they should have would be Jews. That would be great. Yeah. Like, yeah, thanks for the stories, but also fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you're rolling in your grave, you racist piece of crap. <laughs> well... 
there's always been some contention in in the gaming community at least about the idea of color and race because races are cooked into the thing but races are distinct uh yeah. like obviously Attributes. different people i mean you could look at a dwarf and an elf and go oh shit they have to be completely different almost species yes but then they talk about the the talk about race in and of itself the uh, hobby is predominantly white male it's changed over the years in fact in the last five or ten it's very very multicultural and diverse but even before that there was a lot of talk about having races other races in yours how, how do you portray it if you're not that way, if you're not of that race or right. that type of thing. So it's always been a question. But the, you, you hire those people who can uh, help you with that. Exactly. And, uh, but if I'm running a game, I'm comfortable portraying you know, certain races or certain ethnicities because, well, I am. And that's okay for me. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to portray a Jamaican black person. No. You know what I mean? I'm not going to do those types of things. Just... Because, you know, I'm sensitive to those things. Yeah, and uh, if so, I'm not willing to portray that, that is certainly not where you want to steer a story. <laughs> but, but my favorite answer, because this has been on a lot of threads, it's been on a lot of news, at least in the gaming shit that I do, and my favorite answer is, you're questioning whether or not there should be a variety of races of elves, elves, completely made up, much like race, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're going to have an issue with it. You're done. Yep. And that was almost word for word one of the one of the posts that I'd read. I was just like, I wish I had written that. I wish I had written that. Race is a construct in the game and in real life. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think that really is the only adequate response to shit like that is just to say, shut up. Just, yeah. sh- just shut all the way up. <laughs> go over there. We're finished with you. Adults are speaking. Go sit down. Yeah. Look, I just. Man, if that is the if that is your main issue, not that like oh it was poorly shot or the characters don't seem to be portrayed in the same light, it's just that they're not the right color for you. Shut up. Yeah, you you shut up. <laughs> Put a cork in it. Yeah, just your opinion doesn't matter in this case. Mm-hmm. You you shut up. Hey everybody, welcome to horror vomit. We talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Faff and I am one of your hosts. And I am James Marino. I'm the other one of your hosts. Man, that's going to sound like a real bad edit, but no, that was uh, straight through. Yeah, because we spend a lot, a lot of time, I say, editing this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who's we? Because I do the editing and I don't. (laughs) So, uh... Well, that's exactly what I meant. All right. Um, uh, this week. Mm. Oh, boy. Oh, Chris, it's been a long time since I could say this to you, but fuck you for making me watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to apologize to you. Uh, we're watching, two th- we're talking about 2010's Insidious. Oh. Uh, written by Lee Winnell, directed by James Wan, starring Patrick Wilson as Josh Lambert, Rose Byrne as Renee Lambert, and Lynn Shea as Elise Rainier. Oh, don't forget Barbara Hershey. Yeah, and Barbara Hershey. Yeah. <laughs> James? <coughs> what? Hey. What? I'm sorry. I'm thinking about Barbara Hershey. Shut up. Hey. I'm having a moment. Hey. <laughs> yes. How'd you, how'd you like Insidious? Well, I'd, I wish I could say I hated it with a passion, because then I would have felt something about this fucking movie except annoyed, but it bored me. 
and I was not scared. I was scared at children's horror stories. I got a little thicker skin now, but nine times out of ten, everything we watch literally scares me. I, I sometimes can't sleep. This movie did the ultimate insult it can do to me. It bored me. I'm like, why? Uh, who cares? Put some color in this movie. It's going to go black and white, go black and white. Just don't give me this washed out bullshit. It's not a science fiction movie. Come on. So the, the reason that I wanted to do this, it's, we were talking about it when I suggested this. This is very out of character for us because generally speaking, we don't cover a lot of like pop horror. Right. This isn't something that we do, and I know we shit on it a lot, so I actually wanted to do another one mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, I-, I wanted to give reasons why I don't like this kind of thing. And mm-hmm. when people suggest uh, more popular horror movies, some of them I've seen, some of them I just kind of shrug my shoulders at and go, I- I- I'm good. Mm-hmm. But this is one that I had seen before, and it's... I, I don't want to use the words insulting that this movie exists, but I I don't know why there are four of these and why they are huge. I've got a theory. I just thought of it while you were speaking. Okay, think about the lowest common denominator in pop music, okay? There's good pop and there's bad pop. There's pop I will put on right now, and I defy you to tell me why it sucks. It doesn't, but... In general, there's a lot of pop music that is just, let's put as much shit that we know everybody already likes in one spot and just give it to you gift wrapped so you don't have to do anything with it. And I never really got down with that kind of stuff. Um, That's probably why I listen to the music I listen to, because after a while, the lowest common denominator grates at me. It's just like, okay, well, there's nothing new. There's nothing different. There's nothing here. And that's what this movie did. It was just like a lot of pop music. It just leaves me cold. But there are a lot of people that like that. When Before doing this podcast, I watched a movie to enjoy the shit out of it and not think. And I was more of give me more pop music. Even though I watched weird shit, it was pretty much pedestrian weird shit. You know, it's the same weird shit, five other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now that I've... Learn to pick apart the movies a little bit and put a little bit more thought into movies and that type Active of thing. Active viewing. Yeah. Now that I am actively viewing movies, it has started to grate on me. It's like, ah, oh, shit. That's insulting. That's insulting. Come on. Challenge me. Do something. Show me something. And there was nothing there. So I, I kind of wanted to uh, give a brief explanation of how we, how we got to this place. Absolutely. Because I've mentioned more than once, both uh, probably uh, on the show and just in our private conversations, that the 2000s were not a great time for horror. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to go through like a list of some of the bigger, biggest names of the horror films of the 2000s uh, in no chronological order. These are considered some of the better things to come out of the 2000s. We have uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rose in 2005. Uh, The Final Destination series started in 2001. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Ring, the American uh, version of The Ring, 2002. Uh, May, we covered May, Uh 2002. The Hills Have Eyes remake, 2006. (laughs) Resident Evil... 
that uh, franchise started in 2002, and Cloverfield is uh, 2008. Uh-huh. But the mother of them all, James. Annabelle? The the king uh-huh. of the 2000s. Uh-huh. Saw. Oh, that's right. And that was Wannell. Yep. Wannell. Howard the fuck yep, you say his name? Lee Wannell and James Wan. Oh, yeah, that's right. And if you go back, the first Saw movie, we'll probably never cover it. I don't see why we would. Uh, unless there's a real reason for us to do so. But the first Saw movie is fine. It, it's not a poorly made movie. It, it gets, uh, I think, dragged a lot because of the franchise in mm-hmm. and of itself. But as a self-contained film, uh, the first Saw movie, it, it's nothing fucking spectacular. But it's no, not but bad. There were interesting ideas that mm-hmm. was differently presented from other movies. There was enough different about it. There was Danny Glover. Yeah. Because my wife is a huge fan. Don't you fucking scoff at me when I bring up Danny Glover. No, I'm not. I was just in, in the middle of a thought, and I'm like, Danny Glover? Yeah, okay. Uh, no, Danny Glover's the business. He's too old for this shit. But, Goddamn right. But um, I've seen all of them now about a billion times. The only one that I'll, I'll ever like actively watch again is the original, the first one. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't a cartoon of itself. You know, oh, we now have the formula. Let's give them more of the formula. Exactly what I was talking it, about, pop it was, music. It was it was a heightened reality, certainly, but it mm-hmm. it, it played within its own uh, backyard, pretty much. And yeah, it was plausible within the framework of its own self. Yes. So I, I believe they also did Saw 2, and I know James Wan did a few movies that were not horror. So in 2010, I'm imagining that they were contracted once again to make a horror film. Mm-hmm. Here's what I think happened. I think they didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. I think that they were probably flat out of ideas, and that's why we got this. Mm. Because like you were alluding to, this is a total mishmash of everything. It's taking everything that was popular for the past 10 years Mm -hmm. and plastering it on top of essentially Poltergeist. Yes. 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 And I I know that they said that, oh, well, they paid an homage. I forget which frame it's in, but they paid a small homage to uh, Poltergeist in, in the film. I forget where. It doesn't matter. A small homage by taking the whole idea of the story, plopping it down and throwing some different window dressing on? uh That's a small homage? Yeah. Okay. And did you notice the part with a jigsaw written on the whiteboard Mm -hmm. in this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, real self-referential. But here's the thing. That's why I'm thinking that they didn't have it. They didn't have anything. So they slapdashed something together because this movie makes not a bit of goddamn sense. Mm-mm. Not only did they take the ideas of Poltergeist, but they went tried to go so far in different directions that they made it completely nonsensical to the point where Patrick Wilson is astral projecting and having a fist fight with a demon in a leather jacket. Yeah. <laughs> That's Look like the crow. Yeah, it's... I don't know how to explain how stupid this movie is. Well, take a look at it. That bad guy reminded me of The Crow. It also reminded me of... I can't remember the name of the movie. Uh, It doesn't matter, but it reminded me of The Crow. And then there was Darth Maul. And then there was... Yeah. Oh, boy. We're going to get to that. All kinds of just obviously shit from other movies that you have seen. 
How many movies have we seen The Drawings? Mm-hmm. This has got to be about the fourth movie that I have seen, and I can't, can't tell you which one came first, obviously. No. With those same fucking drawings. Almost like line for line. And I'm like, ah, so I don't care who started it, but it's just too much of the same shit. Yeah, it's very, very rote. And it's a whole lot of uh, what kind of becomes their signature jump scares. Yeah. James Wan and Lee Winnell, uh, uh, them working as a team, they kind of repopularized jump scares. But here's the thing. James Wan kind of gets credit because he's good at them. Mm-hmm. Did you happen to notice how well shot this movie is? Oh, yeah. I cannot. Okay. If you <laughs> want to talk about things that I liked about this movie. That's kind of what I was alluding to, that this isn't one of the worst things I've ever seen. No. Because it's visually interesting. Mm-hmm. But everything in it is such dog shit that it makes me not want to care. But yes, go ahead. We were talking about the the look of it and how much it looks good. Mm-hmm. And I, it, everything shot well. I could have done, and unfortunately, you were the one who hit me to this, scene cuts. So we have a static shot. It looked like a camera on the tripod. Switch to handheld. Switch to shaky cam. Switch back to tripod. Within 45 seconds to a minute. Now, I've got ADHD like a motherfucker, and that was too much for me. I'm like, dude, just fucking give me a shot and knock it the fuck off for a couple seconds so I can figure out what's going on. But there are those. There's that one shot with uh, Rose Byrne standing under the the staircase that goes like up and to the left and the big grandfather clock in the corner because, Mm -hmm. of course, there's several different grandfather clocks in this film. But it's a real good sweeping shot where it starts low and then points toward the sky, goes up and up the stairs. He has a real knack. And obviously it's not just him. There's a whole team behind here. But ultimately as the director, obviously it's all his choices. And the shot selections that they go with sometimes are absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Mind-blowingly good. And I think that's why... It's kind of that Mike Flanagan, like the Hill House thing, where, oh, this looks good. It must be good. Mm-hmm. But my God, is it not? <laughs> no, it, it isn't. It isn't. And I'm trying to remember what I was just about to say, because I got lost in your point there. What did, it is well shot, um, but God damn it. I hate it when this happens. So We'll get back to it. One of the things that is very much their uh, signature, and the signature a lot of, of a lot of uh, the pop horror, is there has to be a scare. Mm-hmm. Every 10 to 15 minutes, there has to be a scare. Right. Now, you and I watch a lot of what I guess would be considered then boring movies because mm-hmm. they let a plot progress and mature naturally. Right. But when you're making a movie like this, I, I don't know if it necessarily is necessary, but the insistence on throwing something in because they think it's keeping you engaged but in fact i think it's doing the exact opposite for me mm-hmm. because you're playing your hand well, you're we, giving me all of the scares all of the time and i don't care at a certain point well you're we talking about the movie being formulaic and it certainly is absolutely certainly is it, it's boilerplate formulaic it happens at this time this time this time hip directors know that you have to throw it in here, here, and here. Whether it's good or it's a piece of dog shit, those things have to happen to make a movie, this movie. But 
the, what I what I what this movie did to me and it really pissed me off. Is the best I can talk. You ever watch a drama where it makes you feel sad or it makes you emote, but it's a natural progression, and then you feel sad and you feel okay about feeling sad because this movie you're you're becoming part of the story. Mm-hmm. There are other movies like that that hallmark you, that manipulate the fuck out of you, where they put the child in danger and they do the thing with the, and the girl's gonna do this and it's all manipulated to make you feel like shit, and that's the huge difference. That's how I feel watching the movie. I feel manipulated into being scared. The other movies that I've seen that manipulated me to being scared were so subtle about it, I didn't realize it until I was scared. Mm-hmm. This, I'm watching them do it. Possum. Possum does that mm. perfectly. Yeah. It manips- manipulates you into a sense of like unease and dread the entire time yeah. until it hits you with something. You go, ah, motherfucker. And they'll do it with odd angles or no music when you think there should be music or adding music. And that's another thing I hated about this music. That that music was like a fucking cue bat. Wow. Uh-huh. It was nothing subtle about it. There was absolutely no subtlety in this movie. And where some of the underlying... I actually noticed, because I don't notice music a lot it, until like it needs to be noticed. Right. And a lot of the score under this is very unnecessary. Wow. It, you could have held basically silence in the background with just the conversation going, and it would have hit a lot harder... God, yeah. But also, it might not have because the dialogue just isn't there. Clunky. But, all right, what I wanted to talk about was this movie lost me from Jump Street. Mm-hmm. And I want to explain why. And it's what I was saying about injecting scary where it doesn't need to be. The goddamn credit font. Did you notice this? Because I was yelling at Kayla about it last night. The credit font. I'm. It's not clicking, woman. No. It comes up as red and fizzles out like into smoke. Oh, Christ. Trying to inject Spooky right from the beginning. Now, you might say that's a good instinct. I disagree. Stop trying to put Spooky in here where it doesn't deserve to be. It's Mm -hmm. literally just text on a screen. Play your fucking movie and put your credits. (laughs) Right. You don't need to try and inject it there. Now, the part that really lost me is when they start doing the photos during the credits. Yeah. Because they are in black and white, and every single one of them has a ghost in it. Mm-hmm. You just gave away the game. Mm. In the credits of your film, I know it's about ghosts, but you don't need to outright tell me and mm-hmm. try and sneak scares in there. Have your film start, everything was normal. Everything was fine. And then this horrible thing happened. You don't need to inform me ahead of time that there are, there's going to be spooky ghosts. I know. That's why I'm watching your movie. <laughs> well, you know, I just thought about it. There's another thing I liked about this movie. It's kind of meta self-referential. But at the beginning of every um, supernatural movie, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for them to unass at any time. Like, get the fuck out of here. How long would it be before I left? Mm-hmm. And this movie had them leave. And I'm like, oh, cool. How are they going to make it work? But I like the idea that they made them leave. I thought it was a cheap way. To, you know, they brought the scare back in a cheap way, I thought. But the fact that they had them, the, the husband listened and they moved right away. I was like, where are they going with this? No place. Okay, but they gave me something. They gave me something as a viewer. 
Patrick Wilson, the only, the world's only millionaire school teacher. Did oh you see God. the size of those houses they, they were had? Gorgeous. She didn't work, and he was a school teacher. Oh no, she was a songwriter. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, some <laughs> all the money I, you make I, doing that. I said that while we were watching it last night. Like, oh, someone took an online songwriting course. <laughs> well, it reminds me. My wife loves to watch those like um, house choice shows where they're going like. Love it or leave it or whatever the yeah. fuck, where they rebuild the one house and they go look at the other houses. And they, they've got like a, what's your budget for renovation? Uh, we only have about 200000 for res- renovation. And what's the top line you're going to look at for your house? Oh, about 750000 And what do you do for a living, sir? Uh, I work at the post office. And ma'am, I collect artisanal butterfly farts. <laughs> and you're like, how the fuck do you have that kind of goddamn money to go buy a $800,000 house and have $200,000 for renovation. How the fuck? How the fuck? Yeah. As long as we're on just the what we like watching. Oh, yeah. You know what I've been watching? I'm afraid to ask. The uh, like Ronco infomercials. Oh, dude, I love that shit. Ronco Peel, the spray on hair. Hell yeah. The pocket fisherman. One of Chicago's finest, my boy. <laughs> the Showtime rotisserie oven. Hell yeah. What do you do with that? You do set t- it and, and forget, forget it. it. I love Spielers. My when I was a kid, like when I was young, my um my stepfather used to take me to Merchandise Mart in Chicago, and they had still had Spielers. You know, you, well now they're kiosks and stuff, but their idea was to draw people and sell the product. And there's it's like watching a carnival barker. Hell yeah, dude! Just fucking what? It's you just watch them reel them in. Just. Hey, I'm just with the sound of my voice. I'm going to get an entire bunch of people here, and I'm going to talk ridiculous shit, and you're going to be fascinated by every goddamn thing I say. Yeah, man. Fucking love that shit. Just a real salesman. Oh my god, nothing better. Nothing better to watch. Hell yeah, dude. Like, uh, oh fuck that movie I watched with Brad about Iowa. I'm afraid to ask. No, the uh, the oh, music. We got band. trouble right here in River City. Yeah, dude. To like have that possess the skill to have that kind of like just silver tongue where mm. you can just blah, 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 and just sell anything. Like man, ah, uh, what a talent. That's I, you know when I was I really wanted to be that. I wanted to be like a, a stage magician or like a carnival barker because I just wanted to be able to draw people in with the sound of my voice and just have them stand there transfixed because I'm talking. Mm-hmm. That would be the coolest fucking thing ever. Hell yeah, dude. I wonder wonder where you apply for a job like that. What do you want to do? I, I, I don't think you do. I think you use that silver tongue to uh, work your way into something. Ah, fair enough. Because, I, I mean, you grift for long enough, you're going to meet another grifter. Mm, yeah. And that's really all that kind of shit is, just grifting. Yeah. So I think what we're saying is that we should grift. I think we'd, I think we'd rock as grifters and... Until somebody asked me a question, and I don't think, and I can't keep my mouth shut, so we'd both be in jail. So uh, what you're saying is that we would fail at grifting. Oh, no, I, I would say that we would succeed at grifting. Until we didn't immediately. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then our empire would fall. But it would be a good 20 minutes, man. We'd have a couple bucks. <laughs> yeah. We'd have some real good cigarette money. Yeah, well, we're going to need some money on the books when we're sitting in the joint. I, I guess. All right. Should we get back to in city? We got to talk about this piece of shit. I don't know, man. <laughs> yes, we can. We'll get back to the movie. Okay. Because I had to keep getting back to it. Because I always watch these in shifts. Sometimes I watch forty-five minutes if it's really good. I had to even. I had my wife was like, "Are we going to watch the rest of it?" I'm like, "I got to work myself into it." Why? It's, there's only eighteen minutes left, honey. I got to work myself into this. Mm-hmm. I will sit down and watch it. I just gotta. 
Okay, I had to steal myself to watch the last 18 minutes. Yeah, it gets real rough. It, it gets real confusing, too. But the way that I notice that this is structured is basically the first act is just ghosts. Yeah. The second act is the paranormal activity ripoff. Mm-hmm. With with uh, the addition of uh, steampunk Polter- masks, poltergeist. Oh my fucking god! Why? Because they thought it looked cool. Well, it did, but it took me out of the fucking movie because I was sure laughing did. so goddamn hard. My thought when I was watching that was, oh, they didn't have enough. Like they didn't pay Lin Shay enough, and she she had to go, and they didn't get the shots. So how do we cover that up? I just throw somebody in a wig and put a gas mask on them. Well, that's She'll whisper into it. Lee Winnell's ear. That is probably it. Because, goddamn, I was waiting for somebody to come out in a plague mask and and a blimp to go across the screen and. <laughs> Just somebody wearing a top fucking hat for no reason and goggles. But yeah, so the first part is ghosts. The second part is the paranormal activity slash mm-hmm. uh, poltergeist. Yep. And the third act is, uh, congratulations, Patrick Wilson, you're the special boy. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that guy left a bad actor taste in my mouth. Dude, I love Patrick Wilson. I've never seen He's, him anything but this. He is awful in this movie yeah was do you think it was the direction or he didn't give a fuck or he didn't have anything to work with i don't know because his confused face Mm -hmm. in this film is baffling yeah why they had to make him like what me i don't i don't he looks like he's doing keanu oh my god he does and rose Byrne looks like she's doing keanu as well i'm waiting for both to go whoa man and like I said, I like Patrick Wilson. He's he's actually a very good actor. Okay, Rose Byrne is a fantastic actress. Lynn Shay, I mean, it goes without saying, it's fucking Lynn Shay. Yeah, she's terrible in this movie. Okay, because again, not I I know the I know everybody but Lynn Shay. I can't picture her and doing anything else, quite frankly. But I've seen some of the other people on other movies, and I know they can act. Mm-hmm. So I gave them a pass, and I was like, well, why are they acting with all these shitty actors? It, I don't think it was the acting. I think it was the story and the direction, because the other people were flat, and I know they can act. I've seen them in other things. Yeah, the <clears throat> part that really left a bad actress taste in my mouth was when uh, Patrick Wilson falls asleep at his desk at work uh-huh. and comes home, and she's telling him that the house is haunted. In her speech telling him that... I laughed, James. I did too. And Rose Byrne is a good, good actor. In her speech, this house is haunted. I don't just feel it. I know it. And it's supposed to be this long, impassioned speech. And his rebuttal, well, I'm doing the best that I, what do you want me to do? It's. And it was all contrived. So contrived. Uh Uh-huh. It was contrived for us to make a certain feeling towards the dad so that the dad, when, when they're announced that he's also an astral projector, it's supposed to be this okay. big, Hold big because, difference. Yes, because they set it up doing the very, very cliched. Roseburn is on the phone because they just moved trying to get their uh, any sort of services connected. Mm-hmm. Clearly, she's on the phone w- with a customer service something. Right. And the busy husband is upstairs getting ready for work to go off to his busy day. And he mm-hmm. can't take the kids to school. Like, dude, this has been done. And you cannot tell me, oh, well, it's just an homage to 80s movie. No. 
fuck you, no it's not, that we didn't have it. We didn't have it in the writing process. So we have to make it. Yes. We didn't have a good idea, and the pressure was on to produce another horror film. Well, it's like leaving a trail of breadcrumbs and getting you in a headlock and making you fucking look at it. Uh-huh. I'd rather follow the breadcrumb trail and go, fuck, than, oh, I get what you're doing. Yeah, I feel it, but fuck you for making me feel it. You uh-huh. suck. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, and uh, the whole kid in the coma thing, mm-hmm. there's that. Which is pretty much the an- analogous to uh, the daughter in the walls and poltergeist, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah. Or uh, Reagan in a coma in Exorcist. Yeah. Or any other possession movie ever. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. And it, it's just, eh, they could have done it better. They could have done it different. They could have done something. Uh-huh. Could have hired uh, a writer. <gasps> I, James, I laughed aloud. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Twice, actually. It's two of the ghosts. Mm-hmm. Because Rose Byrne is writing her song, and here's the baby monitor, and something's laughing. Mm-hmm. And she picks it up, and here's the demon. Yes. Give it. Give me it. Give me it. Give me it. I want it. Yes. And she goes up, and it's her baby crying. Yep. Is, is that supposed to be a joke? Is that a meta joke that the demon was fighting with the baby over a toy? Or, or the was it soul. fighting for its soul? I, I get that, yeah, it's supposed to be over its soul. Mm-hmm. But it sounded like a demon fighting with a baby. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it was intentionally funny because there's, I'm trying to remember, there were a couple points where it looked like they were trying to be intentionally funny but fell flat. So I couldn't tell if it was a joke or not. And I'm trying to remember the specifics and they're not coming to me but because this movie is entirely eminently forgettable except for some set scenes because there were... Oh, <laughs> The one that made me laugh the hardest, and I think I texted you about this, is that when they did the close-up on the old woman's face, it looked like Jombie from Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yep. And I kept waiting for her to go, mecha leka ho mecha heine ho I was fucking dying laughing. I was dying laughing. My wife couldn't figure out what's wrong, and I'm like, Jombie, Jombie, mecha leka hi And she's fucking dying. The one that got me is... uh. After the baby thing, uh, it's the first time that we see Leather Jacket Ghost. Oh, Jesus. And it's just pacing mm-hmm. in Rose Burns' room mm-hmm. back and forth past the window. Yep. It, it wasn't scary. No. It wasn't doing, it was pacing back and forth menacing. angrily. No, it was just pacing. It looked like a disturbed man on a subway in New York. Yeah. Just kind of pacing back and forth. And then when it sees her, it just screams at her. Yeah, well, and we'll, we'll take a look. There was so much of this shot beautifully, okay? But we go back to right when um, Philip was his name. It doesn't matter. The, whatever. Yeah, um, the kid's dad. And he's finally gotten through the darkness to the red door. Oh, man. And, and traditionally, <laughs> if a movie's shot badly, it's shot badly throughout the whole thing. And you just give it a pass and just try to find something, right? Most of this movie shot well. This looks like a college theater stage with black floors and a proscenium with a red door on it and smoke machines. It reminded me a lot of Repo. Exactly. It looked like shit. It looked like a Broadway set. It looked like a Broadway set and it was so jarring. Like, why the you fucking spent time making everything else look good? This is supposed to be an emotional scene where you finally are reunited with your son. 
in this red ominous door and this was in a painting with the bad guys in there and all this and you're fucking doing on a goddamn soundstage with smoke machines. I could have done a better job, and I don't know how to use a fucking camera. Fuck we, you. We could have shot that in my garage. With my phone. My, okay, as long as we're getting into the ending, Yeah. we have to talk about the fact that the main villain of the film <laughs> looks exactly like Darth, Darth Maul. Maul. And his evil lair, he looks like Veruca Salt's dad. <laughs> <laughs> overseeing a factory floor, but sitting at what looks like an old-timey sewing machine, sharpening his claws like Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. With, with, weird, with weird lenses and goggles to make it look like a Guillermo del Toro film. James. No. It was bad. It was bad. What in the hell? If, if the movie was set and that was how it looked, you go ahead and Hellboy me. I'll fucking watch it because I like the way it looked in Hellboy. But don't take a Hellboy shot. Stick it in this fucking movie. Second Hellboy shot, if you think about the steampunk, uh-huh. it looked like they took some shit from a movie they had a half-ass idea for, stuck it in this, and hoped to get some more audience because we, we, we stuck it to the steampunk crowd. You like Guillermo del Toro movies? Boom, we got this. James. Hmm. The climax with the main villain, he is sitting in a factory overseer's office mm-hmm. on what looks like a sewing machine. Yeah. Yeah. I can't stress enough how hard it makes me laugh. But it was overseeing what appeared to be a giant Las Vegas hotel lobby with yes. Victorian lighting. Yes. For no with, fucking reason. With the kid just sitting in the middle of it. Chained. Uh-huh. In in what looked to be where a fountain would be. Uh-huh. It's like they covered the fountain with uh with astroturf. And then and- Dalton informs his father, Dad, he's looking at us. And he's just glaring down like an angry factory manager. Well, the, the way the kid looked too. <laughs> I thought when he turned around he was gonna be five feet away. Didn't you? I mean, I thought he was gonna be like fucking close close. Uh-huh. No, he's standing up there looking from the window. I was waiting for him to cross his arm and tap his foot. Like a, like a disappointed father. Oh, you finally got here. Well, I guess we'll have to deal with you, mister. Get Taps back him. to work. <laughs> I'm not paying you to sit there and lollygag. You've got time to lean. You've got time to clean. <laughs> James, this movie's <laughs> fucking stupid. It's fucking stupid and insulting. And so, I wish it was bad enough so that I could make fun of it for being you, bad, but it's not. Did you recognize what Darth Maul's big move was? What? Yelling at Patrick Wilson. Nothing happens. He yelled at him. Nothing happens in this goddamn movie. And then you know what they do at the end of the motherfucker? They give us this twist that doesn't need to goddamn be there. No, it doesn't make any sense. No, because now... Patrick Wilson's just an old woman now? Yeah, he's zombie now. He's fucking zombie. <laughs> I was just like, oh, come the fuck on. So, 
If you're going to put a twist in there, at least give us a hint, bitches. One of my favorite, uh, I, I would say the high watermark of the writing of this film is, okay, it's right after they move houses mm-hmm. because it seems like, okay, everything's going to be okay now, but we know it's not because we're only like 45 minutes into the movie. Yep. Which, okay, that's a fine move to do. They did it poorly. And I would like to make a reference. I thought of something very much. If you're going to do a, and for a while, everything was fine kind mm-hmm. of moment. A much better example of that. Do you remember Stakeland? Yes. When, after they escape the, uh, the cult throwing zombies out of the helicopter and they're just in the woods. Yes. And they show us visually that everything's fine. But they don't do that at all. Instead, they just have the mom sit down and just reveal, hey, by the way, I saw the ghost that's tormenting your son. Your wife is right because I saw it. Oh, jeez, yeah. And also, here's my friend, Lynn Shay. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's the twist. You didn't know we've met before because it was you the whole time. Dude. Yeah, it was cheap. And and that's what if they would have extended us kind of not knowing longer or given us hints that the get that the dad had something uh-huh. or they just again even the slightest skosh of subtlety yeah this would have been a better movie a much better movie I couldn't even I didn't even spend time usually you know how I tell you when a movie is not good I piece shit together to make it good so that I don't feel like I wasted my time this movie didn't even warrant that. It didn't even warrant me trying to do it. I just started getting annoyed. Because the characters had to just flat out say things to justify where they needed to go with the story or where they wanted to go with the story. And and then again, the explanation ruined any sense of creep or dread you might have had. And and now it's just kind of an action, almost an action film or uh, whatever, because they took away that, that dread, that like what little tiny feeling you might have had. And here's why th- throwing every single horror thing at the wall in this film doesn't work. Because none of this story forms organically. When you just have his mother flat out say, I saw the ghost, your wife is right. Mm. That takes away all, for me anyway, all give a shit I might have had about this story. And I can very j- clearly just see it and go... <laughs> Well, that was fucking lazy. <laughs> You're just going to say it, huh? Well, we've talked about this before. You move into a new apartment. You put everything up. It looks okay. You lived there for a while. You decorated it. There's, this movie was not inhabited at all. This is, fuck, we've got the money. We've got a contract. We've got to put up something passable. What the fuck can we do? Okay, put this picture up real quick. Throw that mirror over there. The couch looks okay in the middle of the room. Do this. Speaking of the couch in the middle of the room, sorry. That fucking family, when they get into the, the, the Neverland or whatever the fuck. The, the further. Right. Why the fuck was that even there? Who gives a shit? That, that whole doll family, are they trapped? Are they part of the... If they would have alluded to it or referenced it again. Who could possibly care? I know it's just, it, again, jarring. What? Why? And that's what I'm saying is that due to the fact that none of this forms organically, again, Lynn Shea comes in and does a full examination and gives them her opinion on what is going on with Dalton. 
they do all of this shit, and then afterwards she tells Patrick Wilson, by the way, I did the same thing for you when you were a kid. Yeah. <sighs> they did it's like they wrote it and then didn't go back and fix it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this very much feels like a I'm not going to say first, we'll say second or third draft, where they didn't know they could go back and say, well, before you make a decision, you should know that I did this for you when you were a child. So we know this is what's happening because I've been through it. I saw it with you. No, they'd go through the horror beats and then go back to cover their tracks and go, well, it's because you can astral project. I was waiting for the musicals thing too. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. Because everything else was that so, everything else was that fucking obvious. Yep. And then instead of having to like write your way through this problem, kind of like Poltergeist did with uh, uh, the Lin Shay character, it's oh no, Patrick Wilson's the special boy now, mm-hmm. and he can go in there because he he's had this power since he was a child, but we suppressed it. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to fist fight demons and shake in a chair while doing so, while we all sit and coach him on while he's under the spell of the further. <sighs> and and here's the cheapest thing throughout the whole thing. Follow my voice to get back. Follow my voice to get back. He gets yeah. the boy. He's getting chased by demons. He's getting chased by everything in the fucking underworld or wherever. And we the- can't help you now. And the demons are coming through into our world, too, and they're closing in on Josh and our world. And, man, it is. It's every single thing that they could think of Mm -hmm. that they had kind of seen before, that we had seen before as viewers, that sold. They knew it was safe. And even though they they put their stink on it. They didn't put enough stink on it to make it good. No, it's the... We've talked about, too. I don't want to come down as saying, well, there's nothing original in this movie. Because we watch movies where there is nothing original. I mean, I, it co- it coming to mind is like House of the Devil or Stakeland. It's yeah. a vampire movie. Right. It, it's, a, it's a sacrifice movie in the case of House of the Devil. Right. It, it's in the execution, how you do it, how you inure us to these characters. Right. How you let your version of this story form organically. Mm-hmm. And not having to super duper inject moments to get to where you want to be in the story. How do I want to say this? Ignoring where it needs to go in being preferential to where you want it to go. Right. Because they had shots in their head that they wanted to get. Yeah, because this happened to be Spooky. Yeah. This has to happen so that happens so that we can have this set piece. Uh huh. Now their set pieces were good. The little boy ghost mm-hmm. served no function except for we need a spooky. Right. And I think it was also to throw some red herrings. That was the other thing I was going to get to. I don't understand who the villains are, I guess, because there are so many ghosts and one of them is the old woman. One of them is Darth Maul, apparently. Mm-hmm. There's the little boy. Are they like henchmen ghosts? Are they manifestations of the evil entity? Yeah, I don't I don't know. None of that is made satisfactorily clear to my mind. They could have I could have just been bored by the end and ignored it. And and here's here's my the one thing that stuck in my head, weird shit sticks in my head. Anytime we see representations of good and evil, right? 
Um, it's uh, between the dark and the light down to the pictures. And then the first movie was, the first part of the movie was almost all dark. It looked like a black and white movie except for the people, mm-hmm. weirdly, for no reason. And I was trying to make that work in some sense. I was trying to, you know, the change, because then they stopped doing that, that washed out partway through the movie. I think right after they told why it was happening, and then it was regular colors for the most, it seemed like regular colors for the most of the movie. But there was no correlation to me. I tried to make it into like a bigger picture. Is this, is this a political stance? Is this a this? Is it a question of color? What, what are we doing here? They weren't doing any fucking thing. They were just playing with shit. And hoping that somebody would draw a conclusion is how it seemed to me. And yeah. a cheap, cheap movie making. Yeah, it, it it lacks heart, I guess. Yeah, because like yeah. even in movies that I didn't like, like uh, They Live in the Greys, they had something to say. Mm-hmm. And as much as I feel like it was very much muddled in what they were trying to say, and they kind of tried to both side some things. Yeah. There was a, a discussion to be had, and it was, was well topic. executed. Like when we were talking about um, the feminist issues, you know, if you're going to do yeah, it, Jane, Do- yeah, 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 do it well. Uh huh. They they didn't even make a statement. No, it doesn't feel like anything. Right. It, it feels like we skipped writing a movie, mm-hmm. and we're under deadline, and we owe them one. It's like being in college and writing an essay the night before. Fuck. <laughs> oh, that thing that neither of us have done? What are you talking about? I, I did about? that. Oh, you did? Yeah, I got, an as- I got an associate's degree, motherfucker. Shit balls. I didn't know I was sitting here with Professor James Bernardino. <sighs> I got me some education. Hell yeah, dude. But yeah, the the lack of... Yeah, any sort of message. Uh-huh. They're not trying to say anything. And that really bothers me because, I mean... The sins of the father, maybe? And, and okay. But. Let's, let's take a look at it. We'll consider, well, the directors are artists, okay? They're creating something. It, there's nothing there. It, it's like, if I have a platform, I, even if I don't know how to make a movie, I'm going to say something. You know, I've got ideas percolating. I'm going to say something, giving a chance. Just like here, I say something here. Uh, whether he's got this huge platform, whether he's making a political statement, whether he's making any statement about relationships, about anything, just have something to say. And and that's, I think, the biggest crime of this movie is having this, having some talent, having all these things together and saying absolutely zero for, for three, you know, for a couple bucks in your pocket. And they, they did it with Saw. I mean, yeah. say what you want about Saw. It has a point. It has depth. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, as much as it might hit you in the face with exactly what it's trying to say, it's saying something. Enjoy, you know, well, and don't then you take ha- your life for granted and, you know. Plus the interplay between people in desperate situations. What are you willing to do mm-hmm. to get what you need? How many people are you willing to fuck over to get this thing or do that thing? So there's that interplay and you can see the, act. you know, it, there people are actually acting out these scenes in, in real time, so... That that's different. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah but like we're saying, say yeah. what you want about the statement. Yeah. There's a statement being made. Yeah. This, yeah, I got nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I here's the thing. I don't think they were super duper proud of this mm-hmm. because have you seen The Conjuring? The next 
uh, entry into the James Wan universe. No, because uh, un- up until I did this, I didn't watch that shit for nothing. Right, but I figure you may have like seen it with your wife. It's from, I think, 2013, so it's not like new by any means. No, nah, no. Nah. They've been around for fucking ever. But it's the one that really took off and, you know, really launched James Wan into the stratosphere. I guess after the Saw movies. Right. But I think they kind of learned their lesson because as much as I disagree with the statements of, you know, The Conjuring was a return to 70s horror, they really calmed it down Mm -hmm. and I think took a long look at why things happen. No, I don't particularly like The Conjuring movies, Mm -hmm. but I think they really learned with this movie and i haven't seen insidious 2 i was really thinking about watching it just just to see just to see oh you're gonna put yourself through that buddy you let me know how that works out but again the conjuring is much more focused Mm -hmm. whereas this seems very scattershot and again it's one of those things that pulls me out because with the dialogue not being there and the only interesting part to me being visually and even then it doesn't really hit on all cylinders like the Darth Maul yeah. looks terrible. Yeah. That set looks dumb as hell. That red hallway with the candles. Oh, they're the going to try to scare me with Tiny Tim? <clears throat> yeah. The most non scary thing in the entire universe? Yeah, and a little boy in a newsboy cap. And, oh, dear. But I mean. Kind of look like Damien. Yeah, I, I suppose. In that little outfit and waiting for the dog to show up? I suppose. But what I'm saying is that. I had to really focus on some of the camera moves and whatever, some of the shot choices that they were making because the rest of it bored the living hell out of me. <laughs> I think that's probably the only reason I noticed shots too because I needed something to do for this movie because, again, I can usually force something into that movie to keep me interested. This was a fucking slog. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I work through movies anyway, but I had to work through this. But here's the question that I really want to ask you about this film, James. Yes. Insidious Uh is a PG-13 horror film. Uh Uh-huh. Now, dual dual questions here. Do you think this film was helped or hindered by that PG-13 rating? Or or not, not so much helped, um... Do you think giving it an R rating and adding like some of the gore and or swearing would have made it better? Hmm. And the second part of the question is, should there even be PG-13 horror movies? Ooh, well, here's a rough one because we all, every single solitary man jack of us, have access to movies mm-hmm. in our back pocket. Yep. Kids have access everything what's the point it used to be a pg-13 scary movie was your entrance into grown-up scary if you couldn't get to go if you weren't old enough to rent one in a vcr you Mm -hmm. know you'd go see a pg-13 scary movie because you wanted to see a scary movie and that's what was available that's what you could do Uh, i think again it's a tough call because you know the state of movie theaters etc Who's taking their kids to movies? What, what's the point of PG-13? It's the mom says I can watch or dad says I can watch. It's mostly at home. So, because my first thought was, I think it's good that they have PG-13 gets kids into the horror movies because it's a cool genre, you know? Um, but I'm like, well, that, that hurdle's over. There's really no point. Because I think with giving yourself uh, 
either a hard R, it opens you up to any decisions that you want to make, or having to keep it within the bounds of PG makes you have to be very creative. See, that was going to be the point I was making, because like, if I write lyrics, right, with no idea, and I just write, oh, that word rhymes, that word rhymes, maybe five edits, and I'll get something that doesn't suck, right? God damn it, what was the point I was trying to make? I hate this. The... Uh, the is there a point to PG thirteen? Ah, yes. Because if you limit your if you limit yourself, like if I limit myself to a villanelle form, which has this many consonants, this many con or you know syllables, this many syllables, and this many syllables, I have to a create a theme to make it work. I've got to do all the stuff to make it work, and oftentimes that limitation can cause you to create something better than you would just straight out of your head. This was the chance if you had a PG thirteen to come up with some, a creative way to make this. Scary in, in, in that limitation. Uh-uh. Except for jump scares, which I think are good, you know, once in a while. But there was, that was the only scares in the movie. And it wasn't more of a scare. It was more of a startle. And that's what I'm saying is that I, I'm not trying to, like, take away PG-13 horror movies. No, no. Because I understand, like you were saying, it is a good introduction for kids that want to get into spooky shit. Mm -hmm. Look, I imagine I'm going to have this with my kids at some point. If they want to start watching spooky shit, I'm not just going to toss them right into, you know, high tension. Oh, no. And go, here you go. And I, So I think they... <clears throat> excuse me. I think they do have a place, but a lot of the PG-13 movies that I can... Horror films that I can think of... It, they're lazy. They're right. just not good. Whereas right. I can think of a lot of PG, like more kid-oriented horror films, that have to be more creative and right. have to be. And at that point, they end up sometimes even scarier, right? Because they had these strict limitations that they had to work within. Well, one of the scariest things I've ever seen, and I, it was a, it was called something wicked this way comes. It was a Ray Bradbury adaptation. Yeah. And the tone of that movie was super spooky, and it was it was G, maybe PG, and they had this uh, merry-go-round scene. We got on the merry-go-round, and it started going faster and faster, but the way they shot it and interspersed it, that was the single scariest thing I've seen in years and years. I'll put that up against some of the shit that we've seen, just as far as how a tone can make you scared, how noise, how the music, how everything involved. You don't have to see monsters. It's just spinning horses overlaid with this guy's face occasionally. And I'm getting scared just talking about it. And that was in a PG movie. It can be done. Mm -hmm. Specifically this movie. That reminds me of, uh, sorry, no, not okay. to interrupt. No, but, okay. uh, to put it into context, it kind of sounds like uh, the beginning of the third Harry Potter movie where he's walking by the merry-go-round and it's dark and the merry-go-round starts spinning by itself. Yeah. That is a very good horror shot. Absolutely. And it's Alfonso Cuaron who is a horror director. But yeah, it's understanding how to use that and also be spooky mm -hmm. within a context. And I think a lot of the PG-13 horror films, obviously they can't go hardcore into real adult themes right. even and then they also can't have blood or swearing right so it seems it butts heads with horror i think to try and go 
just to that limit. Either go past it or find a creative workaround. Right. Because for some reason, PG-13 and horror just don't seem to work. I think it's the 13 that fucks it. Because it, it allows more, but it doesn't quite let you get there. You know what I mean? And you don't want to baby it down because you got that 13. So you're not going to pull back. So yeah, it's a dangerous spot for horror. Because this specific movie, I think the point I was going to get to is that I think this movie would have been better served with an R. Because there's not a whole lot there. So if they threw some blood or they threw some swearing or they threw something just to catch a little bit more of my interest, they kept everything the same but threw in more gore and extended the gore through some of the boring scenes. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So instead of boring scenes, they give us everything that we have in the movie, gore, maybe two spots of gore to take up some of the boring. And that movie would have been at least more interesting. I wouldn't have felt insulted as much. No, and uh, yeah, so like as you we're talking about the boring parts. I don't know why uh, Lynn Shay's uh, two employees need to be these weird, quirky guys who it's supposed to be like a funny, bickering work relationship. Well, I think it's because one of them helped write the movie. Yeah, maybe that might might have something a little bit to do with it. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because there are a lot of points in this film where I just. I lose interest in a lot of them. Mm-hmm. A lot of the points where I lose interest come from the bad horror beats. Yeah, well, and think about it. The, traditionally, when we talk about a boring part of the movie, we're talking traditionally character or story development, okay? And the movies that give this to us, I don't consider boring because the payoff. Yeah. They spent that boring time um, letting us get to know this character or why they're doing what they're doing or gives us a little bit more of that story. Yeah, I think it was uh, Spielberg was talking about that whenever there's like boring spots in a movie, he was saying there has to be. Otherwise, the exciting parts aren't as exciting. Mm-hmm. You you have to have the, that time where it's people talking. Yes. So that you can develop a story. And, and give them talking to further... What's going to happen later to give it a better payoff? Yep. Yeah, because we've had movies where the tonal was perfect. Scary, not scary. Scary, not scary. And it would ebb and flow, and you just feel, again, natural. And then we have this, which feels like it elbows you into everything. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't have felt as manipulated, I think, with the gory, because the gory would be like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? It, it sets off a different part of my brain. My brain was trying to make this into a noir or a real in-depth supernatural, or real in-depth anything. And because there was nothing there, I couldn't in-depth it for the life of me. So if you had thrown in some gore, at least it would have hit that button a couple times. Mm-hmm. Oh, go, oh, Yeah, because, I mean, it, it does. It follows the poltergeist. But I feel like poltergeist gets into uh, Carol Ann being in the wall, like in the nether regions, a little bit quicker and... Mm-hmm. I just, man. And the idea of the TV as a conduit was amazing because nobody done it before. The ghost in the machine. We've talked about it before, but that's a, a successful adaptation yeah. of having something that's in everybody's house be a conduit for this force. Yeah, but I believe the explanation is that uh, when Dalton goes to sleep, he astral projects and he went too far and got lost. Yeah, but then they also try to explain that the demons helped lure him uh-huh. to get lost. 
Yep. But there's no payoff. There's no ex- more explanation. We don't know at that point why, what's going on, and yep. what the fuck is the point. And Patrick Wilson doesn't really have to search for him in the further. Nah. He just opens that red door, and there he is. Yep. Just kind of walking around aimlessly. Doop, 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 yeah. doop. Through his own house. Yep. Just in the further. Yeah. Because, you know. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Just huh? So here, here's the one last thing that, man, it really bothered me. So it's established that he doesn't like having his picture taken. Right. They say something about it very early. That's one of the plants. But he had never seen, presumably, it, from the way it's played in the film, it seems like he had never seen those photos with the old woman getting closer and closer and closer to him. Yeah. He had, like It seemed like he had never seen those before, right? Right. Because he had no recollection of it. Right. Then why would he not like his picture being taken? If he didn't know that she was there in the pictures. I I, see that didn't make sense because I knew it was the the mother-in-law. Maybe the only thing that I could make, have that make sense is if part of the, I call her the mother-in-law, sorry, part of the old, old woman may have already possessed part of him and he brought it back. He doesn't have the memory, but he still doesn't like to get his, her picture taken because that part of the entity is still with him, which is why he was able to be possessed by her again. That's the only thing I could... Because I told you, I try to make these movies make goddamn sense. Okay. That's the only thing that I could think of that that circular that would pull that part of the story together. And she just lived within him dormantly for 30 years? Because that part of him was cut off. He no longer... She was That part of it was blocked off from projecting because he no longer projected. So that that aspect of her could not get back to the, the never wherever. But she was already in there just laying dormant, so as soon as he did it again, she went, ah, and then all of a sudden... Yeah, now she got him and got back. Okay. After 30 years. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, but sure. do you think time time <laughs> sure. in the never is the same as here? Who cares? Again, the only reason I pieced that shit together is because I don't like my time being wasted. I know, and... Did you have the same thought that I did? Because this movie is only like an hour, 40 minutes. It's not That's very, it? very long. Is it, that it's it? It's not tremendously long. Oh, my fucking God. It took me four days to watch this goddamn piece uh-huh. of shit. I said, probably aloud to myself, will you just fucking end already? <laughs> because this movie will not end, James. We almost got you. You think this is the end? Nope. Nope. You think this is the end? Nope. Nope. Ha ha. Stuck ya. Yeah, because Dalton's been in a coma for four months and he just came out of it and now he's hanging out with the paranormal investigators eating spaghetti. Because, you know, you're going to get right up after a month of coma and not move. And not rush your child to the hospital. Yeah. God. No ambulance, nothing. I hate this movie. You'd think the first thing you do, I'm... You know, being a dad, the first thing I do, my kid comes out of coma, call a fucking ambulance. Now. Yeah. Do not pass go. This kid has not moved in a month. No. Except being rolled for bed sore. So, no, he's going to fucking hospital, not jumping up and eating in the goddamn kitchen uh-huh. with the masked lady and mom. No. No. Just no. And then Patrick Wilson kills Lynn Shea. <laughs> I will tell you, that choking scene looked real as fuck. Yeah. Oh, that was, I'm just like, because out of all the cheesy shit when I'm just like, ah, oh, the set dressing from Repo, oh, Christ, that, I'm like, fuck, that, they're going to town on that choking, whoa. 
So I have not seen Insidious 2, obviously. No. But I, I want to think that Lin Shay just read it and was like, yeah, I'll do you guys a favor. No, no, no. I've read the end of the script. I do not want to be in Insidious 2. Please uh, kill me at the end of this. Uh-huh. And it was very nice working with you. Uh, um, fuck you. Have a nice day. Yeah. Oh, jeez. James, I really don't like this movie. They made four of them. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if I said it on, on mic or not, but I at the after watching this, because my wife was really excited to watch this with me, because we finally got the, we, I, finally, I finally got the internet and I can watch it on, on the real TV. <laughs> James got big boy TV. Yeah. So we're watching the living room, so we got some shit to talk about. And at the end of it, I was like, why did you like this movie? And she's like, I remember liking this movie, and now I can't remember why. She could not remember why she liked this movie. I think maybe at the time, you know, there were horror movies out, but horror was harder to come by. You couldn't just watch it anytime you wanted. Well, maybe you could. I don't know. Yeah, you kind of could. I couldn't because I didn't enter cable age until the mid-2000s, but that's my fault. But it doesn't seem like that maybe there was as much or that was still kind of a new thing, the type of horror that they were doing. Well, like I, that's why I wanted to start this episode with a, a list of some of the bigger names of films from the 2000s. Right. Because there is a whole lot of every single one of those. And very much it... This movie has exactly the tone of the 2000s. Yeah. The jump scares, the... Let's have a ghost just kind of look scary for no good goddamn reason. Oh, we're at the point now that we have to kind of differentiate. We'll have early two thousands, late two thousands, because there's a there's a difference as you get towards twenty ten and that. Right, I know, but I'm saying that this was everything from the two thousands rolled up into one Mm -hmm. and kind of. here you go. You're you're better at timelines than I am. Is there anything different and original about this movie that would make it stand out in any way? Uh, to my mind, no. This, I believe, like we said, is one of the biggest horror films of the era because it is very comfortable. Because it's not challenging. Lowest and, common denominator. And because yeah. it's PG-13. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, you could, because, you know, pre-pandemic, is, you could bring the whole family out because dad wants to go see a horror movie, can't go watch, you know. James, it's a recipe for success. Uh but, like I said, man, I, I don't make movies, and I don't know if the paycheck was right. I might have made Insidious. Who well, cares? But. You know, I used to talk, in my teens, I used to talk shit about selling out. Somebody comes up with a, with a pickup truck full of money, tells me to do something, but it's got to be within these parameters. Sure. Eh, fuck it. Maybe I can sneak a little me in here so somebody else might pay me, but <laughs> what what you need, buddy? That's what I'm saying. I think they were still kind of a... When they made The Conjuring, it was still kind of a, well, we still need a James Wan movie, but I think they really sat down and had to think, like, man, we need to actually ground this. But also... Are we going to Insidious this again? Yeah. But also, uh, every single one of the Conjuring movies and every movie within its universe can go fuck itself. Based on the Warrens, two of the largest grifters, and just not even grifters, but just overall prey. A long-term successful grift. Oh my Um, God, with foundations and everything. Liars. Amazing grift. Professional liars. My hat's off to that grift. (laughs) Yeah, and Lorraine Warren, real pieces of shit. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I was reading something that, like, uh, uh, the surroundings of The Conjuring 2, like, the family that they supposedly, uh, when Patrick Wilson plays guitar with all of them, mm-hmm. the extent of the involvement of that family was Ed Warren showed up at their door and they slammed it in his face. Yep. And then he lied about what <laughs> everything else. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, lots of lawsuits over. So I mean, I guess. Well, I think didn't they do a behind the bastards on him? Oh, probably. Because I I, I think what little I know about the Warrens, I got from that crackpot guys. Yeah, I, I, I I have no idea, but. Well, I'm just trying to remember because when I say stuff, I like to give some attributes because I'm like, oh, because that shit, I know that not from me. (laughs) But yeah, that's why like. I did want to cover this because as much shit as I t- do talk about popular horror, I have reasons for it. Oh, yeah. Because I don't like it. I, I don't like consuming it. If you like Insidious, fucking go ahead and watch it. But I will debate you on the merits of it any single fucking day of the week. Well, I, I, I see how, like, because this is a long-term series now, as was Saw, there's one thing that I find interesting in the fandom of those is it's not so much the initial movie, but it's the world that they eventually set up. You know what I mean? It's like if you go to Saw, you can you can see the relationships between the people that are killing people, the differences in the traps. And if you really get into it, there's stuff for you. I think they, in the other Insidious movies, in order for it to be even successful, they must have had to inhabit this movie or this series at some point. Because they couldn't just throw a whole bunch of more of these up and have people watch them. I, or at least I'd like to think. I would like you to do an experiment for me. Oh, I... Check out of, number two and see if it's more the same. I kind of just looked at the box office for all of these. These are a very, very successful film franchise. Well, it would, it would sadden me. make a ton of money, James. It would sadden me if they were all as empty as this one. Because that would tell me the general state of the world. Or at least the U.S. box office. I would like to think that they would at least, if they didn't get better, at least got inhabited, at least got built upon, at least got well written or better written. So I got a quick question for you, James. Yes. Uh, did you see Aquaman with Jason Momoa? No, I did not. Oh, okay. Because that was also a James Wan. Mm. So I want to see what he can do not in the horror field. Well, he's... I want to see if his direction style translates well to a different medium because I like we talked about I don't like I don't mind the way that this is shot. It's one of the only interesting things to me. Right. So if you gave him something that wasn't bland horror, would he excel? James Wan from the few movies I've seen of James Wan, I think if he was given good writers and good actors. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure anybody could make something decent with good writers and good actors, but with his visual style and the talent that I, or seen him, you know, on the, I think he could make a decent movie with all that. I like that we're giving notes to a very, very successful film director. I'm waiting for him to call us tomorrow. Uh, hey, uh, guys from Horror Vomit Boys, yeah. Make your own fucking movie and shut the fuck up. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But, and he would be absolutely right to do so. And, and we would just be, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, we're, we're just going to talk shit. Have a nice day. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, it is one thing to sit here and talk shit about James Wan and his films when he is very, very successful. But also, 
you make art, we're allowed to interpret it, and I, I'm going to end this on saying that your movie's stupid. Mm. <laughs> Didn't like it. This movie's fucking stupid. You know how easy it is to catch my interest? Jingle some keys in front of my face. I will watch it for a half an hour. Mm-hmm. I can get through 20 minutes of this goddamn movie. Okay? I, I, that's saying a lot. I, I can find anything interesting. You give me something. Just, but there's nothing. So, I'm going to go ahead and say that neither of us would recommend this movie. And I, I'm particularly sure, if, for once, you don't have to ask me if I like this fucking movie or not. Because I just didn't. All right, then. James? Yeah? What have we got to promote? Where can people find us? Well, they can find us on the... Uh... <laughs> On the Facebook. I'm going to keep doing this to you every week until you can pull it together. And, and give we me an have answer. an email. We do have an email. It's horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And it will, although it was a little more contrived, I will get there. Yeah, we have Facebook groups and Instagram pages, James. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to talk about the grum, but you know, I was thinking to cement it in my head that we've get, got. Get all up in an our email. grums. <laughs> get all up in the grum. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Get in our grums. <laughs> Oil yourself up if you so choose, or just go into our grums dry. Whatever you like. Mm-hmm. No safe word in our grums. Whatever, whatever you're into, man. The grum, <laughs> our grums are here for you. Yeah. To do to do whatever our grums do. For you. Doing the grum. Oh, um. Doing uh, the grums. Uh, I the I don't think it's grum. iTunes. I think it's just Apple Podcasts uh, or the top of the. Spotify yeah. app, uh, stars. Give us, give us the, give, give us, us the all of the stars. stars. Make sure nobody else gets stars. Give us all of them. Yeah, because we're gonna be a star, baby. Yeah, take thirty seconds out of your day. Give us, give us the five stars. We'd appreciate it. And uh, yeah, uh, written uh, comments as well on anything helps yeah. give eyeballs. Join the Facebook page. Yeah, I said that already. Yeah, but I mean, join it if you write on it. Nobody else does. I guarantee one of us will say something. Yeah. Um things yeah man i gotta pee we should end this oh shit i again i didn't read the sign i gotta pee oh shit oh puke i'm sorry i tried it was real flat-footed there i'm That's, sorry it's okay you took a swing i laughed uh, yeah i i took a was swing bad. and lost the bat and it flew into the crowd and hit a baby and now i'm being sued for reckless endangerment murder that's why i laughed reckless endangerment murder it amused me. Danger murder. That's okay. my name. Don't, I think we should call it. Good night. Don't wear it out. Good night. Good night. Good night.